freedom fighters, freedom lovers, and those who just want stuff for free. It is I, Mr. Palumbo, and welcome to the Professor Liberty Podcast. Here at Professor Liberty, we want to remind everyone about this little thing called freedom. You know, that idea that people should be left alone. As long as people aren't hurting other people, people should be left alone. The concept that government should be limited. Thomas Jefferson once said, if it doesn't pick my pocket or break my leg, I really don't care what other people's views are. And it certainly has nothing to do with the government regulating it. Actually, that quote is really about conscience. Mr. Jefferson states that our conscience, we should never submit to the government. And yet here we are living in America in these strange times. We're being compelled to do things we might not feel comfortable with. Tyranny is on the rise around the world and here at home. As the government grows, our liberties shrink. More and more the natural rights declared in the Declaration of Independence and later codified in the Constitution are fading away. We have replaced God with government, which actually happens quite a bit throughout history. If you go back to Rome, we're talking about Rome in world history class, the cult that developed around the emperor, remember that? Eventually, the emperor wasn't just this guy. He became God himself, God in the flesh. And citizens of Rome were not expected to just obey him, but they had to worship him as well. Now, doesn't that sound kind of familiar? If we compare the events transpiring today, we can see that the implication is we're not supposed to question anything our government is telling us. We are not supposed to question the, quote, experts. We're not supposed to challenge information coming from on high from Mount Olympus, in this case, Washington, D.C. Anything that contradicts the narrative, the official narrative, is considered misinformation. The freedom of conscience is being assaulted. The freedom of speech is under attack. And in this great time of tribulation, all we can do is what our ancestors did. And that, boys and girls, is to resist. Resist tyranny. Okay, on to the show. Remember, if you go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, as well as a written review, I will send you a free of charge, your very own Professor Liberty sticker. All you have to do is message me or email the show and letting me know that you gave the review. Once I can verify that, I will send you a sticker. Is this bribery? I think it is. Are we ashamed about it? Not really. The email to the show is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. All right. Well, sorry, folks. I didn't do my normal Monday podcast. I'm back in the saddle at school. And anybody that's a teacher knows that teachers kind of go from zero to, you know, well, from 60 to zero in summertime, right? The schedule just kind of screeches to a halt. And we try to collect our marbles and collect our thoughts and our sanity and try to recuperate for the next school year. But then once school starts, it's zero to 60 again. And so there's obviously pros and cons to that. It's good to be back in the classroom, though. And I have to tell you, the kids are really glad to be back. 
and I have to tell you, they're tired of the masks and they're tired of the lockdowns. A few kids told me, isn't this supposed to be America? I was kind of proud of them. All is not lost, folks. We got to keep the faith. So today we're going to talk about two historical figures who both died on August 16th. So this Monday, August 16th. One of these individuals I know a lot about because I'm kind of a big fan. And fans kind of know his birthday and his death. It's kind of like holidays. The other individual, I had no idea, died on this day. Uh, But he also was an influential person uh, in regards to American popular culture. One of these individuals is the king of rock and roll. And the other is the king of baseball. One helped usher in a new genre of music built on country, gospel, and blues. And the other blazed a trail for professional sports and professional athletes in a way that transcends the baseball diamond. Of course, the two kings I'm talking about are Elvis Presley and Babe Ruth. Even though Elvis dies after Babe Ruth, I want to start with him because, well, like I said, I'm kind of a big fan. I've played guitar ever since I was a kid. I've made the pilgrim, pilgrimage to Graceland many, many years ago. I've always been into rockabilly. Uh, I even have the Elvis hairdo, though as I age, the hair is thinning a bit. When I was in the Navy, I was called Elvis a lot. Uh, this was mostly due to my sideburns being out of regulation. So I think growing up as a kid, kind of like John Wayne and some other figures, Elvis has always kind of been a part of my upbringing and growing up experience. Just like Babe Ruth, Elvis was also a trailblazer. So I think even though they share the same date of their death, they also share this fact that they were both pioneers. And Elvis was a standard bearer as well. And here at Professor Liberty, we like to study and analyze the pioneers. There's a lot of irony about Elvis, though. For example, even though he did lead a cultural revolution, especially in regards to the sexualization of music, you know, Elvis shakes his pelvis, he was personally a very conservative, patriotic guy. This dichotomy is more stark in the early 70s when rock and roll evolved drastically and Presley was kind of on the outside looking in. Rock in the late 60s and early 70s was more psychedelic. It was more political, anti-war, and in some cases pro-communist, anti-American, or at least Elvis thought so. It's also ironic that Elvis had a big influence on the Beatles, but Elvis thought that the Beatles were corrupting America. This is one of the things Elvis talked to President Nixon about in that infamous meeting. I think that was, what, 1970, 1970, 1972, something around there. I guess the Beatles and Elvis actually met at Graceland once. And as the story goes, it was an entire letdown. Elvis wasn't very uh, excited. The Beatles weren't excited. Nobody was impressed. And some of this is probably because Elvis might have seen the Beatles as a competitor. Um, But it just goes to show you back to my original point with all this you know, even though Elvis was this uh, this forerunner to rock and roll and the cultural changes that rock and roll brought, 
Personally, he was kind of a very conservative guy. According to Rolling Stone magazine, quote, it was Elvis Presley who made rock and roll the international language of pop, unquote. Some others claim that Elvis made an entirely different form of music. It wasn't white. It wasn't black. It was something completely different. Now, being interested in music history, most times when you hear this claim that Elvis played black music, many people are referring to that very first single he cut called That's All Right Mama, which I have to say, I've tried to understand this cultural mentality of the time, and I just don't hear it, but I really tried to dig today for this podcast, and I think this is what they're saying. If you listen to the original song, That's All Right Mama, written by Arthur Curdup, a Delta blues artist, uh, I think you'll see that Elvis plays the song. He sings the song just like the black artist does, Mr. Arthur. So even though the music is more upbeat, there's a little more, there's a little more country in the melody. Uh, and one thing about Delta blues, guys, Delta blues is very earthy. Uh, Delta Blues is very elemental. There's not a lot of flash. There's not a lot of extra. In many cases, it's a guy with a voice, a guitar, and sometimes a harmonica, and that's it. If you want to do some homework, compare these two songs, and you'll see that Elvis's version, like I said, it's more upbeat and a little more country, but he sings it just like Arthur did. And that's where the scandal comes in. That's why people say he played very, very early on. He, they said he's playing black music because he didn't sing it in a way that a white person would sing it. He sang it true to the original form of the song. And that was the scandal. And that's why radio stations refused to play it. But that's what Elvis grew up listening to. He was from Mississippi, don't forget. He was exposed to black culture. And in many ways, he embraced it and subsequently opened black music to mainstream America. Every black artist today, Cardi B, that somebody, the Stallion person, look, look, I don't listen to top 40 music, so I'm not going to get any of these artists. All these new artists can thank Elvis and others for breaking down those societal barriers and allowing their art, if you want to call it art, to be accepted across the United States. Now, like with everything, there's a lot of haters out there. We talk about this on this show. There's a lot of haters out there. They want to call Elvis. Somehow he's illegitimate because he stole songs from black artists. When the facts are, he often would give credit to his favorite black artists about the, or regarding the songs that he would play. In a 1956 article, and I'm going to paraphrase, He's quoted as saying, Blacks have been playing this music for a long time, and no one bothered to care until I goosed it up. Little Richard and B.B. King have cited Elvis as the reason black music was accepted in mainstream white America. One last thing I want to discuss about Elvis before we mention his death, and it kind of actually leads into the topic of his death, and that is fame. Very few people have achieved the fame that Elvis has. In fact, I'd like to say it's probably only a two-man group. 
I think Elvis and probably Michael Jackson are the only two people to achieve this, uh, you know, stratosphere superstardom. And it's an interesting study, isn't it? Elvis and Michael both die from drug-related causes. Elvis dies at 42. Michael Jackson was 51. With a lot of people wishing to be famous, wanting to be on YouTube, I think it's important to look at how destructive fame can be. In many cases, fame can deprive you of a normal existence. Yeah, sure, Elvis was able to give random people Cadillacs, something that most of us can't do and something he was known for. But remember, he could not go where he wanted to go. He would have to rent out entire complexes just to do normal things like play tennis or go to the movies. He kind of became a nightlife person because you could move around more at night. And this was, this was one of the causes of his uh, demise with the prescription drugs. He would take things to wake up. He would take things to go to bed. And a lot of artists and famous people have followed this path of drugs that Elvis uh, started in a way. I remember a story. I think I was watching it on a documentary and Pat Boone was sharing about Elvis. I think it was Pat Boone. We'll go with Pat Boone. Uh, and he was talking about Elvis and he was talking about going to church. And, you know, Elvis was a big gospel guy. He was a, he he. That was his favorite, actually his favorite kind of music was gospel. And Pat Boone was talking about going to church with his wife. And Elvis, you know, was like, man, I wish I could go to church. And so Pat Boone was like, well, come with us. And Elvis declined and he said, no, nah, I would just make a scene. Fame can be destructive. And it seems the more fame a person possesses, the more difficult it is for him or her to maintain a human, a normal human existence. It seems Elvis was a clear example of that. History.com writes, by the mid-70s, Elvis was in declining physical and mental health. He divorced his wife in 1973 and developed a dangerous dependence on prescription drugs. He was also addicted to junk food and gained considerable weight. In the last two years of his life, he made erratic stage appearances and lived nearly as a recluse. On the afternoon of August 16, 1977, he was found unconscious in his Graceland mansion and rushed to the hospital, where he was pronounced dead. He was buried on the grounds of Graceland, which continues to attract fans and has turned into a highly successful tourist attraction. According to Forbes magazine, even though Elvis has been dead for over 40 years, his estate still makes an average income of $27 million a year. Okay, let's turn our attention to the babe. Born George Herman Ruth Jr., according to History.com, quote, the babe almost single-handedly salvaged baseball's popularity hitting a record 60 home runs in 1927 and leading the Yankees to seven pennants. Yankee Stadium, opened in 1923, has become known as the house that Babe Ruth built. Biography.com notes that Ruth was a bit of a wild child who liked to get into trouble. His parents finally sent him to a Catholic boys' school 
where he learned to play baseball. Do you know where the babe got his nickname? This is a neat story. So apparently, young George was too young to sign his first professional contract. He was, eight, he was 19 years old. So Jack Dunn, the owner of the then minor league team, the Baltimore Orioles, had to sign for him. So everyone started calling George Dunn's Babe, and the nickname stuck. Around 1920, Babe really cemented his name in the annals of baseball glory. Biography.com writes, quote, In 1920, his first year in New York, he knocked 54 home runs. In his second season, he broke his own record by hitting 59 home runs. And in less than 10 seasons, Ruth had made his mark as baseball's all-time home run leader. Yet, the Babe seemed determined to continue breaking his own records. In 1927, he outdid himself again and hit 60 home runs in a season's time, a record that stood for 34 years. Ruth had a big personality, both on and off the field, just like some modern athletes might have today. His attraction to fine dining, alcohol, and women made his chances of becoming a club manager after retirement kind of out of the question because baseball team owners didn't want to take a chance on him. Even though the babe had a tendency towards the wildlife, he was also known for his generosity. He gave to many charities and orphanages throughout his life, and upon his death, he gave much of his wealth to his foundation for underprivileged children. He died on August 16, 1948, at the age of 53 from cancer. So how has Babe Ruth influenced our culture? Well, even though he's been gone this many years and many people have broken his records, he's often still considered the best to ever play the game. We often hear people say, if someone's really good at something, they'll say something like this. He's the Babe Ruth of whatever it is. He's become the first celebrity athlete. And like athletes today, he endorsed many products. Everything from cereal to soap and much of his advertisements were geared towards children, which is interesting because back in those days, sports was considered more of a youth pastime or something for the family. It wasn't something for grown men to sit on their couch all Sunday instead of cutting the grass. When Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record in 1974, some people were upset. Now, some people might have been upset because of the racism, Hank Aaron being a black man. But some people were just upset because they didn't want their legacy to be broken. They didn't want their legend to be damaged. You know, we like our heroes. We like the magic. We like the mythology. And Babe Ruth has a lot of that. A lot of that mythology and a lot of that legend that surrounds him still today. You know, there aren't many things to hold on to these days. And sometimes we just don't want our dreams or our heroes to be brought down to earth. But for whatever reason, many people didn't respond well to Babe Ruth's records being broken. For what it's worth, Ruth's daughter was interviewed about this, and she was asked about Hank Aaron and later Barry Bonds breaking Babe's home run record. She said that her father probably would have been okay with it, saying that my dad always said records were made to be broken. 
In my opinion, Babe Ruth still has a presence in American cultural landscape because he was the best. People like winners. I also think he was a positive, upbeat guy, which people also gravitate to. Maybe some of these athletes today who are presenting their doom and gloom view on things and are dividing us with their politics, maybe they could take a lesson from the babe. So there you have it, folks. The death of two kings, both on August 16. The king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, and the king of baseball, Babe Ruth. Both were trailblazers, and both left their mark on um, the American cultural landscape. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. You can also go to TeachersPayTeachers.com and look at activities and lessons designed by me for your homeschool or classroom needs. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty. Liberty.